So Dipsikadi, you called it uh, by mistake, but I think it's beautiful in Savitri times accidents, God's random plan. So <laughs> you were meant to sing in a higher scale to lift everything up. <clears throat> That's true that from a certain standpoint, <clears throat> what we call as, from a certain standpoint that needs to be, even what we call as mistakes, errors, are what Shirobindo says, our errors are his steps upon the way. They are part and process of growing up. Sometimes a painful process, but part of the plan. Today is the last day and uh, the subject is healing. But So I would like more and more of questions. But just to set the ball rolling, I'm just taking out the set of questions already handed over. Okay. So, um, healing is a complex process and uh, the tendency of the human mind to reduce everything to an oversimplification. You know, everyone does it. Allopaths believe that if you take this medicine, you will be cured. It's one kind of reductionist approach. Equally, when in homeopathy we say you take this medicine, you will be cured, it's an equally reductionist approach. Or somebody says you pray to mother and you will get cured. These are all various means of trying to oversimplify the process and when it doesn't work out then we wonder basically creation is complex truth is complex it's a fact and human mind cannot handle this complexity human nature is complex creation is complex there are at any given point of time a number of factors which are operating the other day Dr. Arvind was sharing and it's so true that nowadays we talk about biopsychosocial model we may even say bio-psycho-socio-occult spiritual model. <laughs> and uh, each of these factors is in itself, you know, very carries within it several complexities. For instance, that, uh, you know, people talk about miracles, there are a lot of miracles shows also. Can one make somebody who doesn't have a hand suddenly grow in hand overnight? It doesn't work out. This is called an impossible miracle. Uh, even to suddenly make a person who doesn't have intelligence to grow into a genius overnight. So there are many things. There is the biological, there is the, uh, for, for instance, the physical basis. It is important. Even heredity is important. So we cannot neglect it or ignore it that no, uh, it's not important. There is a hereditary factor. There are biological processes, habits which have formed. And it cannot be undone just, just by, you know, putting a magic wand. There are attitudes in the mind, lifestyle, all these things um, may be in synergy with the healing process or at variance with it. There are of course occult factors, factors that extend into the past, factors that go into the future, the experiences that we will need at any given point of time for the great journey. So all this is very difficult, not very difficult, impossible actually for the human mind to take into consideration. So what to do? There are two possible ways. One is to study as many factors as possible and try to master them. This is the normal process of science, science anywhere, in any field. It starts isolating factors, studies it, tries to find a solution, then studies another factor, isolates it. That's how all statistical research is carried on. If you go to the bottom of it, all statistics is about isolating certain factors, studying it and looking at their importance. Then trying to 
correlate these factors with each other. <clears throat> this is one way. This is a bottom-up approach. This is another approach, top-down approach, which is what last few days we have been speaking about. The top-down approach is that we touch the source, the origin, provided we have faith that there is an origin. Of course, there is an origin, but there is one origin, and this one origin extends into everything. It's logical. Let's say even physically, at the moment of the Big Bang, when everything scattered and drifted into distant stars and galaxies, still some energy of that origin, something in some form, continues to be there in the most distant star. This is the basic uh, logic. So, if there is the divine origin, this touch of divinity extends into everything. So, if we touch that by some means, then there is a possible of realigning the whole thing in a simpler way. So, there are two possible ways. One is that we act through one factor, another factor and even when there are miracle cures by one single factor, it's almost inevitably because the faith in that has connected us to the source. That also happens. We use a certain material process and you know, we feel fine and we often give credit to the process or to the man behind the process, but actually some way or the other we have got connected to the source. And of course we are quick to take credit. And that is why making systems is never a healthy thing. It's the mind's way, it cannot handle otherwise. So when we make a system like, you know, this cures, basically we have turned it into a dogma. Even the highest truth can be turned into a dogma. So it's very important to understand that at any given point of time, many things are operating. And also even when there is a possibility, so often when people would ask Shirobinda about the supramental force, he said that uh, I don't generally use the supramental force. I generally use the overmental force for most of the things, for events, and it means entering into a complex play of possibilities. That's how it works. Pushes possibilities, brings you know things together, slowly aligns them. So he was asked, why not the supramental force? He said nobody will be able to take it. The, the you know it's like using a uh, tremendous power or a nuclear power to kill a mosquito. So what happens? Mosquito of course gets killed. But along with that, <laughs> everything else. So the, there are real problems and issues. That's why the mother would, you know, in, in ashram, there is so much insistence on physical education, for example. Otherwise, we cannot even bear that pressure, that force. And in the play of possibilities, then you have to allow for time. We are very impatient people. That's the other difficulty. We are, uh, you know, that's one thing which we learn from patient. Patients learn patience. They have no choice, poor fellows. Includes all of us. So, when we are a patient, we learn patience. It means also that there is no harm sometimes using a multiplicity of approaches, which is different from doctor shopping, which we'll talk about later. But multiplicity of approaches, by, by that I mean, some people say, no, I'll not take any medicine. I'll not go to any doctor. I'll just heal myself in this way. Alright, if one wants to do it, okay. But one can go to a doctor, take a medicine and yet rely on the grace. This is one of Sri letter. When somebody asked Sri should I take medicine or should I simply rely on grace? 
and Shirobindo gave a reply, take the medicines and rely on the grace. They are not contradictory to each other. To somebody else, he would say something totally different. Rely only on grace. To a third person, he would say, go to the doctor and take medicine. So, you see how difficult it is to reduce. In fact, it should not be done to reduce anything into a simple formula. Like another simple formula is karma. It's all because of your karma. Karma is an extremely complex machinery. The last thing is it, uh, about karma is not about reward and punishment at all. It's, it's all about evolution. And karma is uh, not simply you did this, so you are suffering from this, you had to pay somebody's loan, so this man has cheated you. That is absurd. So we can go to absolutely absurd conclusions when we simplify or oversimplify things. So we can go to a doctor, we can take medicines and doctor and medicine can also become instruments of a higher force. So ultimately, it doesn't matter which healing system we are in. This is another thing that people often ask. Okay, so what kind of a healing system is integral health? If it's a system, then it loses itself. It's not a system. Some mystic has beautifully said that the moment you define truth, you have lost it. So, if we define integral health as a system, then it's no more integral health. It's just one slot among many. So, integral health can be applied or practiced by anyone, anywhere, any kind of therapy. All that is needed is that the therapy and the person becomes more and more aligned to the higher force and its working, becomes more and more intuitive in one's approach and then one is guided. It doesn't matter, one may be a homeopath, allopath, Ayurveda or osteopath or chiro practitioner, all these are maybe even a palmist. <laughs> so, various ways. So, this is the essential thing to open oneself to the higher consciousness and the higher force. And as we have been saying, there are several ways that one can do it. It's not that this is the only way. Prayers, worship, meditation is one kind of approach. Sometimes just an intense need. It doesn't even need uh, to follow a practice. Intense need that you want to heal and help. And that itself can awaken uh, or make one an instrument of something which is higher and deeper. So essentially, uh, again here also, ways and means to connect with the higher consciousness, there are multiplicity of approaches. But one thing which one can practice every day is to call the higher consciousness, its peace, light, love, healing power from above every day. It's good to fix a little time and call that peace, harmony, especially these are wonderful forces to act within us. And uh, they will first have to create harmony and peace within us. It's our own on-job training because unless we have force of harmony and peace inside it, we cannot really help others or if, if we do, it will be a very imperfect kind of a thing, very mixed up thing. So it's very important that in the healing process, in the healing profession, one learns how to step back. Also, as I said, not to play God. I think a lot of harm has been done in the field of medicine because doctors continue to play God. What I mean by this is, sometimes it's graceful to make a very beautiful exit then torture the body through all kinds of complicated surgeries. People do it. I see it all the time. I see it here everywhere. You know, 
the doctor will say, no, no, I'll do something and he'll subject the person to heroic surgery and all kinds of, you know, high doses of chemotherapy and it's a shattering of the being. It's never a good thing to use so much violence on the body. In general, uh, you know, mutilating surgeries, I'm not talking of draining an abscess or small things. They're not really a good thing. It's a very asuric kind of science, this approach. But doctors believe they can cure and they want to believe till the last moment that no, I, I can cure. This, uh, it's important to know where, you know, your personal lines are, where your personal limits are. It's a fact that there are times when beyond which, well, we cannot do anything. Let's accept that as of now, there is still the mark of ignorance and it's accompaniment death. Putting people on ventilators, even past certain age for months, money and all that has gone into it. So... I often feel it's good also to know, it's good to know how to live and if we know how to live, we also know uh, and it's good to know how to depart. This also is a science and a sacred science. There's no attention given to that. The worst way to depart it with mutilated organs in a typical ICU setup with all kinds of machines hissing and whining all around you and all the anxiety and fear of people with tubes pushed into your body. It's not a good way to depart. People do it because they believe the Dr. Saab can cure me. It's a sad thing. So these are the, just some of the thoughts on the healing process. Just to set the ball rolling because we have less time. Also, I'll just quickly touch upon some of these questions before we throw it open. How do you help people who believe their illness problems are due to fate, past karma, etc.? Generally, I, uh, there are two approaches that I take and uh, each one will have his own approach. One is that if the belief is very strong and the person is not open to anything, then I just let the person carry on with his belief. I don't interfere because one has to go on and discover. That's what life is about. It's not about like, I'm uh, very clear, Shurvindo gave a very beautiful letter. I'm not here to convert anyone. And I follow it in practice that none of us is here to convert anyone. It's a very wrong tendency to proselytize whether in any religion or anywhere. It, it's really irrelevant. Frankly, it reduces a great truth into a small formula. Uh, when one is ready, one will open to whatever one is destined to. God walks in our life in so many ways. He doesn't have to walk in only one way. But the way he comes to me, I have to be faithful to that. If if the divine has come to me as mother and Shurabindo, I have to be fully faithful to that. But it doesn't mean that uh, everybody should believe in mother and Shurabindo. That would be absurd. It's alright. You know, people walk in different ways. So if somebody believes in karma and fate so strongly and doesn't want to change, I would say alright. You know, carry on. That's it. But if somebody wants to, there is an opening. Uh, here I mean that, you know, unwanted advices should never be given. Like very often, you know, we hear somebody, oh, you are suffering from, uh, you know, this problem. Oh, I have a, I'll give you a cure. It's not even asked. It's all right. I mean, we don't have to do that. But if somebody comes and is really open and wants to know, then I'll go through this system because it's very important to go through a system in which a person naturally believes and then approach the deeper truth. So if somebody believes in karma, I would go logically that how is karma created? Well, you do certain actions and you suffer the consequences. So ultimately, who determines the consequences? Your actions. So your past actions determine your present. 
So if you have to remold your future, what should you do? Your present actions. So your present actions are going to determine your future and not just the past actions. And this is there in the theory of karma, what is called as purusharth. This is the minimum that if your past actions are so powerful that they have determined your horrible present, if one may say so, then your present actions can be even more powerful to undo all that and determine a beautiful future. Basically, karma theory is not fatalistic. It's just the other way around. It means that you decide your future. If you want to put in very single, simple terms, it means that you are the, your fate is in your hands. So if your fate is in your hands, it's beautiful. Why believe in fatalism? So it's a misunderstanding of the karma theory that it's all about, you know, what can I do about it? Well, you did it, so you can undo it. Or you can redo it. You can create something better in the future. So this is how I would go. And then go into the deeper and deeper ramifications of the karma theory, if necessary. And that's a huge subject. So I'm not touching upon it right now. But that it's important to take the patient's faith into account. There are people who, I don't know, why do they disturb unnecessarily faith? If someone asks you, alright. But you know, if a doctor goes and says, you know, I have uh, been to this doctor and he has given the, oh, this medicine is very dangerous, don't, no, no, allopathy is very bad, or homeopathy is horrible, this is not a way. Somebody has faith, it, will, it may work. Faith is a great thing. And after all, none of us is an expert. So, an allopath passing comments on homeopathy or any other system like that, we are not experts. Somebody has practiced something for decades and we must be humble enough to recognize and admit that yes, it has its own logic, I may not understand it, it's okay. And vice versa also, homeopaths also do the same thing and it's equally dangerous. Oh, allopathy or whatever medicine you are taking, it has so much side effect, it will create toxins. You don't know about allopathy, stay within your, you know, it's alright. It's wonderful to be a good homeopath, but it's trespassing a certain critical boundary and then obviously allopaths laugh at it. We had a seminar in Jipmar where uh, a neuropath, you know, they massage and believe that they release certain things. It's okay, uh, whatever it is, but uh, this man had to talk in Jipmar and I was also one of the invited persons uh, to kind of sum up and uh, something about yoga. And all the very good doctors, they had come sincerely to listen. And honestly, this man started speaking rubbish. I say rubbish because he started correlating things anatomically which had no clue at all. He had no clue of what he was speaking. Like people say, soul is in the pineal gland. I mean, one knows neither the soul nor the pineal gland. And it sounds very, I have discovered something new. So, you know, everybody was uncomfortable. Most of all, the man who had you know, invited him to speak. He was very uncomfortable and he started, then he, sitting next to me, a very senior person, and told me what to do. I said, don't worry, <laughs> we'll do something about it. Very, very embarrassing, I must tell you. So, you know, there are limits to your knowledge and let's acknowledge. He started speaking of, you know, all the glands, where they were located, what they, their function, nothing. There was absolutely, it was not needed. All that he, he had to say was that, you know, uh, I have these results, when I do this, it helps and that's all that is needed. I'll cure everything kind of stuff. So then, last when I had to sum up, so I had to, you know, clear the mess that had been created in every, everybody's mind. Say, 
it's it's not a good thing so approach people with their faith say for instance somebody who is a muslim who comes to me so i i always tell him you have faith in allah you you pray five times a day you must know that he'll take care of you so you know he's very happy he goes back and look i mean doctor understands me otherwise if i say no 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 uh, i don't like your religion it's a bad thing <laughs> that's not what he here for if he has faith in allah very good i'm sure god will help him as allah is perfectly fine somebody has faith in krishna somebody has faith in christ somebody has faith in one's own power so it's all right don't try to say no no what your power there is a greater power you have faith in yourself very good it's a wonderful thing that may help so divine is not limited to anything so um, we must uh, use the person's own strengths to go deeper and not superimpose a superstructure artificially onto a person who is not yet ready for it it's like teaching a child in kindergarten einstein's equation of e equals to mc square he is learning e equals to e or e equals to elephant and if you give you an equation e equals to mc square you will say elephant equals to uh, mother cat twice <laughs> it's the same thing <laughs> because <laughs> one is not ready for that so so it has to be uh, uh, done very carefully sometimes we meet persons who are carrying our most opposite virtues how does one deal with them who are carrying our or one's most no there are two things what i mean is that virtues opposite virtues when we say it would mean two virtues which are in contradiction to each other let's say kindness and the sense of justice these are two things or or uh, we can also mean virtue whose very opposite which means generosity and avarice so they are two very different things and yes that carrying opposites is very common but carrying contradictory virtues is rare but both things are possible almost everyone without a doubt carries within oneself the very opposite of what one is meant to realize and that shines forth time to time so a person who is very generous in one part of nature may be a miser in another part this is a known thing now how the balance works in the beginning of evolution usually the virtue is very very small tiny and the Uh, opposite is very big you know hitler take an example uh, almost darkness personified but he had a tremendous sentimental love one to his cat and the other to his to eva eva uh, am i right eva uh, eva he had that kind of love now it's amazing that this man who could butcher people without even a thought still had some spark of love even if for a cat and you know his girlfriend so there there was a spark somewhere uh, very rudimentary but as one goes up the scale the balance begins to change so i'm sure hitler in another 10 lives would be more of love and but elements of cruelty and the beauty of creation is says that you have to pass through negotiating with your darkness let me not use virtue and vice because they are not uh, very good terms but with darkness your shadow as the mother mother uses the word shadow which jung has also used the shadow or the evil persona to really arrive at the fullness of what you are meant to represent 
so it is meant to make our task easier so each one of us represents a divine quality in the making and as if to hasten our progress and not to block it that's the beauty we carry in ourselves just the opposite of what we are meant to manifest so when we discover the opposite we should rejoice that at last we have found the door the enemy and feel sad when someone says i have no bad qualities everybody around that person that person everybody has bad quality sometimes if everybody has one particular bad quality in my eye that means actually i am carrying it <laughs> i am seeing it in everyone so this is this is called projection where you know people see evil in everyone but they carry it inside but very happy when i discover it in within myself now this is a door we all have to cross none can escape it that's what shivinda says in savitri none can reach heaven who has not passed through hell so this idea that every you know people are sadhu bachchas and we like to project a very holy image it's not a healthy thing it means either i am unconscious of my issue or i am hiding it both ways it's not a healthy thing so we must be conscious that there is a problem and the beauty is this problem will come i can't bypass it i have to face it squarely this is like whichever direction i go it will stand in front like a door and we have to at some point cross it at least for the yoga of transformation if it's liberation then we just ignore it take it that it's part of our nature and not do anything about it it's there and you know we can also have an image of a holy man who is you know uh, sitting like uh, you know some babuji or some uh, amma and you know carrying all the darkness behind so but it's a age of truth all these things are getting exposed but if we are really serious about the change then we need to confront it and work upon it and uh, when we work upon it one sign is that we are not shocked when we observe these things in others as long as we are shocked oh my god this person so horrible that means we have not started working on ourselves it's as simple as that we have not yet confronted our own dark little corner but when you observe it so okay i mean people go through these things so we have to go through for each one it will be different and if a person at all comes who is conscious and has to work upon the method is to offer it to the divine with an aspiration to turn it into something true and beautiful i'll give you an example which because this example is given in uh, mother's works and i'm sure many people would have uh, experienced it two examples rather both are there in mother's works one she gives about love and normally human love is full of you know normal human love selfishness you want this you want that you praise me i'll praise you or i praise you you praise me i give you this you give me that it's what is normally what we call as human love and people get hurt after a while and they you know leave each other then they once again come across love or they become heartless one of the two things so heartless is the dangerous side they become very harsh they start believing that all love is bad you know human beings are bad horrible creatures not realizing you are also one so or they get into love again and then again they have the same problem same thing 
So the right approach is that when someone asks the mother, what should one do? She said, learn to love truly and unselfishly. So you don't run away from a challenge, but you face it. It's not like ascetics. The moment they get something, they start throwing it away. She said, no, learn to live in luxury, but without being attached. It's a wonderful opportunity. If you have, fine. Not that they should be necessarily poverty. Another example she gives is of avarice, which is opposite of generosity. Avarice. Uh, avarice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's kind of, uh, we may use the word greed, greediness, miserliness. So, it's a mix of these two. So, you know, this person would be generous in another part. See. So, you will see it very interestingly. Uh, you know, there are some people who are extremely, they keep money, they don't want to let go of it at all. But suddenly when there is a religious cause, I am not using the word spiritual because they may not, many of them do not contribute to a true divine cause. But religious cause, they will give huge amount of money. In another part of nature, they may be just the opposite. I am not saying it's a very good thing, but it's just so that in the nature. Now, what does it represent? This tendency to accumulate. It represents the capacity for a kind of concentration in the being. One doesn't, you know, just wants to throw th away things. And this too can be turned into something beautiful. So, and there are many examples like that. People who become very angry with the world because, you know, they are activists. They can't change anything, but they, you know, become. So in them, there is an acute sense of justice. And if they really search deep inside their being, they will discover what true justice is, how it is one with compassion and kindness and not its opposite. So there are these complexities of human nature and it's very good if somebody can discover the shadow. I've had clients who have come and talked about it, but it's very rare. Usually it's always the other guy who is bad. So you know it's okay. That's a worldview and common worldview and one has to just take it that. So don't go beyond what uh, somebody is ready for. This, of course, page 696-697 in Savitri, you are talking of the boons of Savitri. Maybe if Savitri is there, we can at the end read it. We can end with that. Yeah. So, any other question for this, of course, about reading something? Exactly. So that's what I call as. Exactly. That's what is called playing God. Yeah. That's what is called playing God. Yeah. So the the process there is very simple, and you know it applies in every sphere of life. Uh, even in the ashram setup, we have these things. You see, you know, people get very disgruntled in an organization. So this is bad, that is bad. 
the point is that you know um, wherever you go there will be things you don't like certain people will take decisions which you don't like i'm just enlarging the scope of this question and so it will be when somebody has to be decided upon whether to operate or not to operate we must know what is my role in a particular place because that's what is given to me not more not less if divine wanted me to decide he would put me there where i have to take a decision i may not agree to decisions that people are taking thank you so much but um, it's it's all right i am not being given to decide that so this tendency no i'll somehow make sure that nobody ever touches uh, or operates i can take this decision one only about myself two about a child who is not yet 18 or not yet you know who is still under my care who needs to or somebody who has consciously told me that you and you alone can decide about this sometimes a not patient does it then you can take a decision otherwise you have to give a suggestion and leave it at that what a person has to go through and silently pray this is very important it's it it is this lesson is so important for harmony in collective life when uh, people used to speak uh, loudly at the samadhi old sadhaks not some well known sadhaks let me not take the name and uh, people didn't know what to do so one once jugalda jugalda you must be knowing our pbs registrar uh, yeah registrar of uh, center of education knowledge so he wrote to the mother i feel like telling them should i tell them or not were they very senior old times sadhak very well known so mother said if you tell them they may progress if you don't tell them you will progress <laughs> wonderful and then she said if you feel so strongly because you have to also take into account the inspiration you can't reduce it to a mental rule then you may tell them once give it as a suggestion and leave it at that whether the person will follow it not follow it and then if you feel bad about it work upon yourself because you have to be in a state of peace and ananda under all circumstances so if one is feeling bad well in life many things are like that otherwise we'll become full of gallstones and uh, you know <laughs> peptic acidity because everywhere or all the time we will see politicians and family members and everyone taking decisions but it's their journey and people learn through errors what is there children make mistakes that's how they learn they grow it requires a benevolent whiteness and a kind of trust in the divine that through everything the march goes on so yes of course uh, even evolutionary point of view you you may be knowing in the beginning uh, there were no doctors i mean this is a modern medical concept but they were priests so people used to go to priest for healing say ancient temples in greece and you know that's how the word hygiene came hygia the goddess would have serpents and i'm sure people know the myth of hygia so they would go to priest and priest would heal but there arose another set of people who believed that now we can cut and do things and you know who were the people who started this other thing they were barbers and butchers actually i am not uh, joking so the priest developed into the pure medical knowledge where you know with medicines and gentle methods you manipulate and the barbers and butchers with all due respect changed into surgeons or rather evolved into surgeons so <laughs> so it uh, 
No, it's okay. it's a it's a well it's a known fact. So it's not something which I am uh, you know confabulating. It's also good in the sense that they have evolved. It's very good. Instead of uh, being butcher and barber, you have evolved into a surgeon. And also, it doesn't mean butchers and barbers are bad. Butchers can be very evolved. There is a whole story in Indian thought where you know uh, it's a very interesting story. As an aside, maybe I can talk about it. There is a tapasvi who is sitting in tapasya and he wants to have powers, powers, powers. He gets a lot of powers. So one day, one bird on top, she lets off a dropping. And he's very disturbed. Looks at the bird and says, With all my tapasya, I burn you. And the bird burns and as an after effect, the tree also burns. Proud of his tapasya, he walks into the village to get some arms because he has to depend on... He's, he's doing only tapasya, not earning money. So he goes and asks for arm, bhiksham, dehi, into a house. And uh, the lady doesn't come or whoever doesn't come. He gets more angry after two, three callings and treaties, when the lady doesn't come, he says you don't know who is standing outside? So the lady says, yes, yes, I know, but I am not the bird whom you can burn with your look. <laughs> so he is shocked. How does she know all this? It's a story in Indian mythology. So she comes, when she comes out he says, who are you? He says, I am just, I look after the household. What tapasya you do? No, no, I just take care of the house. You have so much knowledge and power. You knew what I did sitting in the forest? She says, there is nothing much about it. You are just boasting about it, but there is nothing great about it. He says, no, no, but still, give me that knowledge which you have. She says, I can't give it to you because now our relation has got totally mixed up. (laughs) So, so where can I get this knowledge? She says, you go to so-and-so, the butcher, and he will give you this real knowledge. So, this is not to say that butchers and barbers are bad guys. But it's one thing to, you know, cut open even post-mortem. Spiritually, it's not a good thing to do. It's not good to, you know, that's why in ancient uh, myths people knew it. You see, why in Trojan War, there is so much you and cry over Petroclus' body. There is a whole, almost a canto devoted to the fight that takes place over Petroclus' body. I mean, he has gone wearing the helmet of uh, Achilles because he is very distraught that Achilles is not jumping into the war. And Hector thinks he is Achilles. So he is eyeing to fight. Hector was a wonderful person. And then in the process he kills Petroclus. When the news reaches Achilles, he is, uh, you know, angry and he jumps into the war. And there is a whole war. Who will take away that body? Similarly, you see, you know, when uh, Achilles uh, himself defiles the body of Hector. So, you see, this dead body is not dead and mother speaks of this that uh, we human beings are so much in a hurry and we really create so much chaos and we treat the dead with such brutality. So, the disciple asks, what? What do you mean? I mean, treating the dead means what? So She says, either we shut them into a box or burn them, but they are conscious. It takes 24 hours, sometimes 7 days for the whole consciousness to withdraw. And people are in a hurry to shut them. And then she says, imagine if somebody does that to you, when you are fully conscious, to shut you into a coffin or to bury your body. That she gave. But I am just telling you that, you know, how little we know. So how do, so when people are, you know, they die in ICU, what happens next? Quickly, all this and then, Postmortem. 
cut open this that visaras is, is very not a healthy way because it's it's based on the idea that there is only the body and nothing else but if there is a consciousness it will take time it's not like a cut off and immediately things go away it takes time for it to withdraw and you have to allow that time that process even if you were to do post mortem you do it later but uh, the problem is that then most of the things will go away the evidence is so except in really really criminal cases where you really have no choice it should be reduced to a minimum not certainly not for the sake of just so called medical knowledge there are other ways of gaining medical knowledge so what we should do this was asked to mother she gave a logic why people burn in india of course to start with she said because when you die lot of parts get defragmented like you know vital entities and she says because in india people had a very developed occult knowledge therefore they they knew that if you burn Uh, with fire even these entities get burnt so it was to dissolve what is called as bhutas bhutas are not just ghosts but they are you know elemental beings so you can actually that's why even physical fire has this effect on keeping away things which are uh, of subtle vital forces because it it has that quality because everything exists at both levels or many levels so physical fire is not just physical it also has a subtle corresponding thing which is around it it also has a kind of energy of which it is a manifestation similarly with water water is not just a physical object it is physical object at the end point but it's also an energy and behind it there is also a godhead so they had this science so uh, the the reason why the bodies were burned but nevertheless is the same thing if you do it prematurely so when she says um she was asked then what should we do exactly the same question she says perhaps we should grow a little wiser she said i can't even give them a rule because uh, they will not understand it they will do things still chaotically because we don't have the vision so essentially the true solution is that we should grow wiser and in the vision otherwise again we'll make another rule that would be though maybe that rule may be better to keep for 24 hours i think in order will they keep no 24 hours at least a better rule 5 days. days it's a better rule than rushing for cremation or burning definitely a better rule you can have facilities but then government and all these don't allow so pray be wiser grow wiser and yes for oneself one should know how to detach oneself from the body and to put oneself in the arms of the divine then it's it's a general thing mother is saying but for those who are on the path of yoga we have many many beautiful ways to to do the same thing and put yourself in the arms of the divine and if one has done it through one's life one doesn't have to worry uh all right for uh, when we are in the normal ordinary consciousness but definitely 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 not when the consciousness is awakened and progressing ever heard of a saint doing it but they talk about compassion they don't do it because that compassion they talk about is different it's about compassion for the ignorance of humanity and it should awaken but uh, definitely not clear no which includes blood transfusion which is the first kind of organ transfusion i know people in the ashram context who reacted very badly to the same blood a uh, same group blood reacted very very badly horribly as you growing being definitely not it's 
it because nothing is purely physical so you take in a consciousness but it needs a tremendous leap in within us it means we have to get rid of all fear of death why do we go into these things because we are so afraid oh maybe i'll survive now again don't turn it into an absolute rule maybe in a certain situation say a young person going through a certain accident needing even a surgery now he has time before him to work work through that mixture which has come or that butchery which has taken place there is a time when he can work through but that's where we have to understand and draw our own lines many persons i have seen within uh, within the ashram who say very clearly we don't have that kind of a hyper facilities in the nursing home we have uh, enough to take care of certain immediate emergencies but for the rest we have jipmar but uh, many persons say please don't send me if i am whatever it be i i want to be here and i have seen people pass away gracefully i have also seen some people wanting to go and being sent and meet with all kinds of unfortunate end so it's good to make that kind of will that look i mean keep me here and i don't want to be disturbed unnecessarily so that people who will be taking care uh, are, are no they know and they are reassured but you have to draw your own line up till what point so it's like see till adolescent post adolescence even up to middle age lot of people do lot of things and mixtures come in but by then you know how to handle it and you have time when you can handle it but beyond a certain point you don't want to create chaos inside your physical system which has been uh, you know uh, enveloped by and penetrated by such beautiful energies so we have to know where we want to uh, and how far we want to go but in general surgeries even violent aggressive medications are not a very good things but surgery definitely it's not a very good thing from a spiritual point of view but again not to be reduced to a rule or a single simple formula as i said each case will be different so i want to donate to my elders after the human body not at all let me add 108% <laughs> Huh? Go to blood donation. Go to blood. No. 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 I, see, and I have done like blood donation. I have done. I placed my eyes at some point of time, but later on when I became aware, and I have seen the effects. So definitely not. Uh, it should not be done. Uh, though when you are donating your your blood to somebody, still okay. I mean, by the way, it's not your blood which goes to that person. That's the other part. Blood banks are impersonal. you know people that old time cinema where blood is coming from one person and going into another and ek hi khoon hai too dramatic you know <laughs> it's not like that you donate blood it goes into the blood bank <laughs> they'll give some other blood <laughs> it's not that i gave my blood to revive you please uh, so it's it doesn't work like that should you know give instructions at some point we yeah. what to be done when we accidentally fall ill terminally ill or something happens how we would like to be treated so there is clear that instructions about the next you know like uh, yes um, i want uh, you heard of the bank indian ocean yes very much i have heard uh, uh, the ocean talked about the past today uh, some years ago 
Yeah, but like I have given a very clear instruction, no chautha, no daswa, no terva. Once I go, gone. Just forget, don't even try to remember, no photographs to be kept, nothing. Because you want to go to mother. You don't want to get back into the same rut and people, you know, ah, nice person, somebody will say, thank God, good return. Gone, gone, that's it. <laughs> we come from her, go to her. It's such a beautiful thing. So, as far as I am concerned, I have left these instructions. No fourth day, tenth day, ninth day, eleventh day, thirteenth day, any day. No srad. If you feel uh, like feeding somebody, uh, not to the fat priest, uh, find some fellow who is maybe lean and thin, really needs. <laughs> but nothing, no, no srad, nothing. All this, we have to make sure that these things go away from our system. We have to, you know, uh, go beyond these things. Yes. While they are through the, you know, I am presuming that, you know, when there is a time given. See, there are two kinds of deaths, one which are sudden and unexpected. And uh, then, yes, when one is in the old age, gently, you know, one can put across this subject uh, in general, not about uh, uh, them. Sometimes it's good to, you know, maybe hand over a nice book which you may come across or a nice article, just share with it, with them so that, you know, this goes into their mind. I'm talking of an extreme case where they have no opening, no faith in anything greater or beautiful. If their faith is beautiful, if they have faith, then the simple thing is, uh, if, you know, they get too much involved with things in the world to tell them that, look, you know, it's much, don't worry, don't worry about me or about anybody. Anybody. This is a time when you should be focused more and more on the highest, on the very best, rather than, you know, uh, too much of involvement with worldly life. So, in India, we had the concept of one trust. And it was very good because it not only prepared you for the departure, it also avoid, avoided conflicts between daughter-in-law and mother-in-law because mother-in-law had to go away to the forest. So, <laughs> so it's a nice way to really, you know, settle uh, many issues. And I think it's really a beautiful thing. After a certain age, you know, the elderly should uh, prepare themselves for something else and not get over-involved with life here. It's not healthy. But if there is time, say terminal illness has been diagnosed, there is very important to make them feel loved and cared, but not a love which makes them feel attached and clingy. To keep reminding them that I am fine, don't worry, I, I am like wonderfully fine. And at the same time, just expressions of love, which just may be caressing with the hand, to make them feel the energy of love and peace. Whenever one is around them, to invoke the presence, the peace, the love, so that they bathe in that atmosphere. Some people like to put a little music, which is alright. But you know, all as I said... Uh, why I am a little worried of making anything into a rule. Uh, I know an instance where someone put the Gita because it was a few days more and the person suddenly felt very bad. You mean I am going to die? That's why you put Gita. 
So, you know, you have to be very careful that the person doesn't take it amiss that you are kind of saying goodbye. But it will depend on person to person. But by and large, it's very good to bathe the person in the atmosphere of something beautiful, something divine, something uplifting, depending again on the kind of belief that one has. I would not like to interfere somebody's belief. So depending on that, to prepare them. And then when the person is gone, remember with love. If you feel distressed, offer it to the divine and pray. After all, where have they gone? They are going to assume a new body and start a new life, a new career, a new journey. It's wonderful. Honestly, it's wonderful. We don't cry for the person, we cry for ourselves. It's something so nice. Imagine it's a complete organ transplant free of cost. And a new opportunity at that. Totally new things. Also sometimes uh, it can be done for those uh, who are a little more conscious. When you know you are confronting, you know, I'm not saying one should think that I'm going to die someday through this illness. No, not that thought. But uh, deep inside you feel intuitively that maybe, you know, um, I'm getting closer to a point where I need to change over. Then think about a future life, what kind of future life you would want. So thoughts can always go into the future can project. Sometimes it's good to tell a person that, you know, what is it that you would have, you always love to do but you have not done. Start it. It doesn't matter whether one finishes in this life or not. You have started a new curve. It may be just starting to read children those books. I'm just giving an instance. And I have seen that with my own parents. That they would not otherwise, they had their own traditional uh, bhakti and all that but they found children very difficult. But towards the end they suddenly started reading. It was the greatest gift of grace. And my mother would do so many japas, suddenly started doing japa of the name of mother. So it's a kind of ball she started rolling. So some people say, oh, it's too late. No, it's never too late. Because there's nothing like late and early in terms of eternal time. It's only in terms of one human time. It's okay to start. We may not finish it in this life, but we'll carry it over. So it's always good to pack some good luggage, which they can carry, which will carry them. Okay, so anything else? Quick one, maybe question. Uh, ah. hmm. No, that's true. No, that. No, that's true. No, they will not listen if you talk about them. But if you have a right over yourself, that, ah, but it's too early. You may not want it after 20 years. So what I am saying is we should, however beautiful a thing may be at a given. No, that's a different thing. But say, now why I am saying is that today, it's you know, it can have both sides. I am just, you know, a bit uh, semi-humorously but in the right spirit. Say today you like devotion spray. <laughs> Very good. Now they may not understand the spirit behind it. And maybe after 20 years you have forgotten or 30 years and you know you are deep into listening mother's music which exalts you and you may have wanted that you know uh, maybe when I go at some point they should play mother's music. And what has stuck to their head is ocean spray. <laughs> and imagine you would be horrified if on your fourth day you find ocean spray band playing and you say my god they are still 40 years behind <laughs> so it's best <laughs> so you know we evolve all the time and there are different moments like again 
every day morning i love to play mother's music or sunil das or you know mother's voice afternoon i love to play mantras or ragas mostly ragas evening i like to play mantras so depends upon what time you have the fourth or tenth day i would like to hear that music <laughs> so <laughs> so knowing that human beings will mess it up all my simple thing is don't do anything <laughs> let me go leave me free i'll be lot more happier if nobody uh, you know uh, just bothers just don't bother me <laughs> i want to be in mother even in life you are in mother where else you are and uh, you draw from the garden of mother to the heart of mother who would like to leave that blessed place and come to hear any wailings or moanings or praisings and you know uh, music or anything for that matter because nothing can be more blessed than her heart where one would be for sure so <laughs> so that's the best thing uh, or maybe we could read just these four lines a few lines from savitri and close it this session with that page 696 697 book 11 the book of everlasting day the soul's choice and the supreme consummation these are the four bones that savitri asks so i'll just read these bone part and i'll skip the lines in between <clears throat> thy peace o lord a bone within to keep amid the roar and ruin of wild time for the magnificent soul of man on earth thy calm o lord that bears thy hands of joy thy oneness lord in many approaching hearts my sweet infinity of thy numberless souls thy energy lord to seize on women and man to take all things and creatures in their grief and gather them into a mother's arms thy embrace which rends the living knot of pain thy joy o lord in which all creatures breathe thy magic flowing waters of deep love thy sweetness give to me for earth and men thy embrace which rends the living knot of pain thy joy o lord in which all creatures breathe thy magic flowing waters of deep love thy sweetness 